Cape Drive Time. Welcome back to the show. 0829-913-913 is uh, the WhatsApp line. And I'm really getting sick and tired of these conspiracy theories. Uh, these weird doctors telling us that vaccines are going to kill us, that it's population, depopulation, all that. Please uh, send us something scientific. Stop sending this nonsense. Former U.S. President Donald Trump has been acquitted of his impeachment trial after 50 Democrats and seven Republicans voted to convict him. The Senate acquitted Trump after his second impeachment trial on Saturday. However, that does not make the orange man immune from the criminal justice system or from future civil litigation. So this is the big question. What does the verdict mean for Trump? Uh, current President uh, Biden, and for America in general. Online for comment is international relations expert Dr. Charles Sinkala, who is described as a greatly gifted man who possesses a wealth and diversity of different aptitudes, a lawyer by profession, a keynote speaker, a motivational uh, speaker, a lecturer in constitutional law and international relations consultant, economics and senior research in governments and economics. Uh, he is primarily a people builder. Dr. Charles Sinkala, welcome. Uh, thank you very much, and uh, good evening to your listeners. All right. What do you make of the, uh, I suppose we can only call it shenanigans, going on at Capitol Hill in the U.S. right now, surrounding the dying moments of the Trump presidency? Yeah, look, um, in terms of uh, democracy and politics, uh, that is uh, something what you call it's a normal situation. Uh, we can see related to that is in what has been happening in the African continent uh, during and after or before the elections. Uh, we always have those, those uh, although the publicity has never been onto the international stage, uh, you can hear uh, elections in uh, Uganda recently, uh, they are all uh, sort of violence and they, even to an extent uh, people die in terms of elections and factions. So that is democracy. Unfortunately, that's the way it is. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting you making that comparison and you've uh, hand-picked uh, Uganda with Mr. Museveni seeming to, thinking, seeming to think that he's um, immortal, that he's going to be president when he's 150 years of age and poor Bobby Wine uh, confined to his home and people being grabbed in the streets during the Ugandan elections. That was a pretty sorry sight. But an equally sorry sight, I'm sure you'll agree, was what happened at Capitol Hill when... Um, uh, Hagar the Horrible, that's the only way I can describe that man, wearing horns, blue paint and fur, uh, invaded uh, America's uh, um, highest offices. Uh, yes, uh, you know, other people feel so sad and uh, uh, unfortunate that uh, in the 21st century we have to be faced with such a barbaric way in terms of trying to resolve things. Um, you know, but, uh, you know, uh, we need also to understand that uh, that's a game of uh, democracy. You know, the rules are not the same from either side of the players uh, of the sport. You know, like I've always given an example to 
uh, soccer, where soccer is regulated, and even boxing for that matter, the ones who loses the fight or the game even goes to shake hand with the one who has won. But in politics, it's not like that. You know, most of the inauguration of the presidents, uh, the one who's leaving the office, they do not even attend. Uh, we've seen what happened to Robert Gabriel Mugabe uh, just close by in uh, uh, Zimbabwe, you know, and we've seen also in South Africa when... Uh, uh, President Cyril Ramaphosa was elected. Uh, President Zuma never pitched at that inauguration ceremony. So it is part of the, the tradition that uh, uh, because of uh, the rules not being the same and not being fair, you know, you can argue that uh, uh, Donald Trump was the incumbent president at the time, but uh, uh, we must understand that Donald Trump is not a politician. You know, poli politics it works with deception. You know, and the deception is where Donald Trump could not do very well. He was telling the people the way it is. He could cause CNN and many other bodies or media that they are fake news because he's, you know, he's not a kind of a person uh, whom I can describe, but he came to enrich himself. He was rich already at the age of 19 or even before then. So he came there to be straight and tell, talk to the world the way it is. You know, he could do, uh, rush out onto countries who are not trying to uh, play a fair game in terms of globalist agenda and the tra trade. You know, he could uh, talk to from his heart, you know, without consulting. But Joe Biden is a career politician, you know, a career politician who attempted to be president in 1981, you know, and uh, as well you know, many times. And this deception of trying to make people believe that uh, uh, he is a savior, especially for the black people who's been under the campaign of the Black Lives Matter uh, leading to the elections in the United States. You know, and I hope that things have changed now. You know, uh, people shouldn't forget very easily that the campaign uh, mostly, primarily, was on the Black Lives Matter campaign. Yeah, I mean, I, I take all the points that you're making. I'm de beginning to detect, do you have a certain amount of sympathy for, for Donald Trump? Because he really was um, a very boorish um, president of the United States. Uh, yes, indeed, Joe Biden might well be um, a sugar-coated version of Trump. I would concede to that. But, uh, I mean, Donald Trump wasn't a good advert for anything except possibly himself and his own mind. No, to the contrary, you know, uh, if you understand politics, you will understand, and many, uh, I'm not a lobbyist of Donald Trump, I'm a lobbyist of uh, an international world that will uh, respect uh, people's rights and uh, that will never uh, take advantage of uh, victims or those who cannot speak. You know, uh, Donald Trump was only doing the American dream. You know, Africa is not supposed to uh, live an American dream. Africa must live uh, uh, the African dream. So Donald Trump was America first, you know, and that was his job. I mean, that is the Constitution of the United States of America. It's America first. So whatever happens from outside, he really had to mention that... Uh, America has to be preserved. So no matter which way you, you, you view it, 
you know, uh, you know, Donald Trump will go in history as the only president who could speak openly uh, without even uh, being uh, or, fee- or feel that uh, uh, Congress or the Senate they will, they, uh, they will subject him to impeachment, which he did, uh, you know, which they did basically. You know, we can see during his presidency he was subjected to an impeachment, and as well just the time on his exit, the unsuccessful impeachment. Uh, from the Congress and the government, including the people in the Republic uh, Party, you know, who voted against him. But, uh, you know, this is the reality of democracy, and I think uh, democracy has to change. You know, it has to change the tactics. It's time now we started telling the truth on the way it is. You know, those who dress in Mother Teresa's dresses and high heel shoes, black suits, you know, they shouldn't be... Uh, sugar-coated and pretend that the world is around. Meanwhile, the world is not round. I mean, how do we change things? I mean, it's quite obvious to to many people in the street, um, particularly in South Africa, for example, where I'm sure we all have observed that in many ways our democracy is failing us because the way that people get into parliament is not via the ballot box the party gets in via the ballot box so um people are protected from from their corruption and all sorts of things that are very similar to that so how do we work towards a solution because on top of that i'm sure you'd agree with me um the poor of the world uh, and that's most of us in africa we've got serious questions about the whole capitalist system as well i mean something has gone wrong hasn't it uh, yes, definitely. I do agree with you. Uh, something has to be done. Uh, firstly, uh, we need to uh, introduce political hygiene into our politics. You know, we need the educated people to be in politics. We need uh, those people who say, um, I don't do politics, you know, to be in the center stage to make sure that they involve themselves and replace those people who are there. You know, we can see and relate to what has been happening in South Africa. Uh, people have never been appointed to the higher office of politics. They are appointed on the basis of their depths of their pocket. They are not appointed by the depths of their knowledge and merit, you know, to perform. And the, actually in South Africa it is worse. You know, having attended the, the independence in the, just recently, uh, while well, 25 to 30 years now has gone, uh, 1994, but it's, the, it's, it's you know, it is the earliest in terms of the other countries. My country, Zambia, attained independence in 1964, and many mistakes were made where, if we talk about the racial discrimination, uh, not only against the black people, but the white people, so the white settlers, the, the Indian settlers, the Chinese settlers and all those type of things. I remember our great uh, celebrated uh, grandfather, uh, uh, Dr. Kenneth Kaunda. You know, I could remember the stories and the, even that time in this, I could hear when I was young that uh, they went shops by shops and company by company, made sure that they eliminated who was the uh, non-black or whatever. But uh, in South Africa as well, it has taken a very... Uh, uh, wrong precedence and the paradigm it is that uh, every person who was at Robin Island with a prison number were appointed as ministers but are they performing? You know, this is a question that uh, 
uh, we have to uh, uh, to address. And I'm happy that uh, the constitutional uh, uh, law, which passed, was passed, I think, last year or the other year, uh, to allow independent candidates. You know, you yourself, you can uh, stand yes. as president. Mm. You know, and the other people can stand without being loyal to the party. You know, loyalty to the party is the biggest problem in terms of democracy because you can't even have your different views in terms of governance. Look how the ANC is uh, uh, silently killing itself because the, they say it is a collective agreement. So even if the ship is going down and none of them can come out and say this, they will say you are an ANC. But uh, these are the types of politics in terms of democracy uh, that uh, those people are not qualified. They are not in politics. Those who are, uh, I mean, those who are qualified, they are not in politics. Those who are not qualified, they are, they are the ones who are running the show. Yeah, I really enjoyed your term political hygiene. Um, I haven't heard it in that context before, but I really like it. I think that speaks to what we're trying to to discuss here. And, of course, um, it seems as if wherever we go in the world right now, uh, democracy is in crisis. Um, I mean, we've seen some really bizarre uh, election results. Uh, populism seems to have become the curse of modern times. Yes, yes, it is actually. It's actually even getting worse. You must remember uh, democracy was franchised from the United States of America. And the past couple of decades, and uh, if you talk about years uh, which passed, democracy in America was quiet because they managed the... Um, the practice of deception very well and nobody was complaining nobody was talking now we can see now the politics in america uh, people are agitating for the truth and that's why you see now that it is not working in america there's so many uh, problems i will take you to the far east in china china is being uh, managed by only uh, seven people among these seven people president jinping is actually the secretary general of the Communist Party, you know, and uh, these seven people are engineers. These are the ones running the whole uh, 1.3, 1.4 old uh, population of China. And if you look at the history of China, uh, the last 30 to 60 years, it was uh, put on a course of a driving vehicle uh, that uh, recognized that uh, people shouldn't have more than one children because the economical uh, power of China at that time was the, uh, actually nothing, you know, compared to what South Africa was 60, 30 years ago. You know, South Africa was even better off. But uh, they decided that uh, each and every person would be given a constitution and a part to play in building China that it becomes the world's uh, strongest economy in terms of production, in terms of uh, uh, producing young men and women who go to university and come and feed into the economy, you know, and protecting those who are engineers and who are smart people. But if you look at the African continent, uh, we export even raw materials. And if I talk about raw materials, including the talents, you know, those talents that are supposed to stay in Africa and rebuild our African economy, those are exported and only to import uh, back the, uh, the doctors again from, you know, Cuba what you saw during the pandemic because most of the qualified people we produce they are exported and we only left with idiots i'm sorry to say this but uh, we should be protecting our human resources we should be protecting our uh, uh, minerals we should be protecting
protecting and making sure that uh, we run our economies in Africa. You know, in Africa, we shouldn't be exporting raw materials. Why do we import toothpicks? It's a question that I ask on different platforms when I speak. Yeah, yes. You know, a toothpick, we can't, you know, just a toothpick manufacturing, you create a lot of employment because those will be cutting the tree, those will be weaving and making sure that the packaging of toothpicks are produced. You produce a value chain. So now those are stopped. Look at the COVID-19 vaccines. You know, we can't produce the vaccines in South Africa. It's a tragedy and it's very embarrassing that uh, those who are qualified in at the Wits University here in Johannesburg, at TUT in Pretoria, even Cape Town, where you are there, they are qualified epidemiologists who can treat these vaccines. But we do not believe in ourselves. You know, everything we have to import, everything we have to import. So that's why industrialization of Africa in particular South Africa, who is a big brother of the continent, you know, we are failing because we do not believe in ourselves. And if we do not believe in ourselves, the tragedy is that we will be fighting our, amongst ourselves. That's why there's the uh, black and white color, poor and rich and this and this taxes going up because we are not creating industrialization. You know, in conclusion on this point, America invests into a citizen. When a citizen is born, last time I checked, is worth seven hundred $150,000 annually, you know, that's the value of a citizen. But if you look at the South African contest, uh, you and me only paying taxes, we are about 5 million in South Africa, supporting the about 30, 40 million people who are unemployed, you know, on, on social grants. It shouldn't be working like that. Uh, South Africa must also invest into the young ones and young sons and daughters of Africa, give them free education. I see they removed some money from NESFAS, about 5,000 students were denied now the access to study. And if you create a denial of uh, children to go to study, to be productive at the end of the day, either an entrepreneur or an employee to pay tax, you know, you are creating now crime in the country. You know, this is why you wonder now crime is going up because people are, uh, 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 because of the bureaucratic system, they are blocked from attaining that education that is needed for them to participate as productive citizens in the country. Now, what we are producing now in Africa, especially in South Africa now, we are producing now the abilities that they are, they, a child who is 19 years old, uh, 21 years old, who is supposed to be productively, you know, participating in terms of economy, is on or she is on social grant. Now, the old ones, those who are retired, they cannot be looked after. Yeah, I would agree with all of that. In fact, um, to to sort of add on to, to what you're saying is that uh, on the west coast of South Africa, uh, one of the, there's the longest train in Africa that runs from Sishan to Soldana. And in the, the train, it's one of the longest trains you'll see on the continent, is iron ore. That iron ore goes onto ships in Soldana and goes to the Far East, and we buy that iron ore back as a Toyota a few months later. That's wrong, isn't it? It is, and the Shafiq, <coughs> let me tell you a secret as well. That the order uh, of the iron, uh, you know, in terms of either finished product or the uh, raw materials, the transaction, the way it happens is the, like Grenico. If I give an example to Zambia, which is straightforward, uh, Zambia produces the copper. It's the second largest copper producing country in the world. 
you know, but uh, Glenico, who is from Switzerland, they've got offices there. They run the procurement and sales from uh, uh, Switzerland, Zurich. So China or America, if they purchase raw materials in terms of copper, uh, they pay in Zurich. You know, that money does not even land in Zambia. They just send an instruction to Zambia that these trucks are supposed to be taken to the harbor in Deben or Beira in Mozambique or Tanzania, thereby Dallas Lam, you know, and these products are shipped. So money doesn't come back, you know. If you talk about the foreign direct investment, what the presidents in Africa, they always talk about, that foreign direct investment does not leave the money in the country. That money is sent somewhere else. And what comes is pocket change. And it's a tragedy, you know. As long as we do not think of the economy like that, you know, we will be talking about creation of employment, like politicians say, all the time that we create employment. But how can you uh, create employment when people are not educated? You know, laborers and all these digging and construction, that is not permanent job. We need to create uh, jobs that can be sustainable. People can stay at the job for 40, 30 years if they so may wish. You know, so this type of uh, system has to change. In fact, uh, on this point, I will also add that uh, the, the thesis which I did during the apartheid period, apartheid had an arrangement with the, the rest of the world, which is the United States dollar, which is America, that if South Africa has to deal or trade with United States of America, the currency exchange rate must be one-to-one. That's the thing uh, at one stage a perfect government achieved, you know, and the United States of America, they were very much intimidated, you know, that's why they made sure that they fight uh, in the so-called apartheid that it must be scrapped off completely. You know, apartheid, uh, I'm not supporting it, but the only thing, if you look at it in totality, the whole system was working. The only problem there was the unjust laws against uh, black people, Indian people, colored people, any other thing. That's the only thing that was supposed to be changed, not the whole overhaul completely. Now you see now it is open, liberalized economy in South Africa. You find that uh, South African rand keeps on losing the value. How can I trade with you, you give me, I give you one dollar, then I demand 16 rand from you. It's not a fair uh, trade, you understand? So even the economists, even if they can talk about no because of the dollar, the what is the exchange rate, what you export, that has got nothing to do with the terminology of fair trade. Fair trade means like the way butter system was. You know, if I trade with you with millis or vegetables, I don't expect to trade with you in a, with a car. You know, it has to be of equal value. That is the trade. It's called an exchange. So now you find that our fuel prices, if they, like recently, I think last year, in Iran there was a fire by the, by the oil uh, companies, you know, now the Iran lost the value and the price of fuel went up. Automatically everything went up. But if you look at the salaries, they do not go up. You know, and in Africa we talk about the basic income. It's not the basic income. It's supposed to be the basic living cost. That's the amount you're supposed to pay. And if an increment on fuel has gone up by 10%, the income of people also must automatically go up because one will never going to afford it. Indeed. Unfortunately, we have to leave it there, Dr. Charles Sinkala, international relations expert. Uh, thanks for joining us. Thank you very much for having me, and it's a great pleasure sharing the knowledge with you, and uh, we'll support your radio station, you know, for trying to educate the people. Thank you very much. 
Drive Time 91.3 Always 